want to be forgiven in the exact same way that you have forgiven other people. No. That's how we should live. That's where we need to get. You know, the truth is, every person has blown it. Every person has made bad choices. Every person has the need to be forgiven. I know that's certainly true with me. There have been times in my life when there are those who would extend forgiveness to me when I did not deserve it. And oh, what a gift. When you know you have failed and there's no one you can blame. You know you were the cause of hurting someone else. Just the fact that someone is willing not to hold that against you is an immeasurable gift. Well, June Hunt is talking about the gift of forgiveness today here on Hope for the Heart. You see, the ultimate gift of forgiveness came to us through the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross. And as June shares today, forgiveness is not only a gift, it's a choice. Now let's continue this program about forgiveness and listen as June clears up the confusion over what forgiveness is and what forgiveness is not. Forgiveness is one of the most universal issues in life. There are times that I certainly have not felt like forgiving. There are times when I did not forgive. In fact, I could justify my lack of forgiveness because it was so easy. The other person was so much more wrong than me, and I felt justified in holding on to unforgiveness, even though I probably would not have even thought about the forgiveness aspect. And I remember this time in my life where forgiveness was not even an issue. It wasn't even a part of my thinking. Corey Ten Boom, she lived in Holland during World War II. World War II was a time of mammoth atrocities. It was 1944. The Nazis were marching from country to country, taking over countries, killing the Jews and other less desirables because there was this Aryan race that supposedly were to be the only ones that would qualify to exist. Corey and her family were a part of the Dutch underground. There was a watch shop, and their residence was a part of the watch shop. I'm not sure we can fully gain that perspective, but there was terror all around. And it wasn't just someone hurting your feelings. It wasn't somebody just betraying you, leaving you, and now you've lost the person closest to you. We're talking about mass murder. We're talking about a fear that gripped country after country after country, and certainly the Ten Boom family, Christians, by the way, who are seeking to make a difference. You put this in the window, no Jews allowed. There was all kinds of propaganda against the Jewish people. They many times had pictures of rats. They would be equated with rats. Propaganda was horrendous. What occurred was this hiding place in the home was very clever. They would rescue some people who were about to be killed, and they would be hiding for a period of a week, two weeks, something of that nature. Then eventually they would transition out. They would work to get them out of the country. Corey Ten Boom had great difficulty forgiving. 
she didn't realize she had such difficulty until she came face to face with forgiveness. What do you think most people think about in regard to forgiveness? I had a call just last week. The question was, well, what do you think forgiveness means? And she said, it's being weak. It's letting them win. She had one mindset only because her mother had been cruel to her. Let's talk about what forgiveness is. It is dismissing a debt. When you grant forgiveness, that means instead of expecting or demanding that the other person keeps the promise or treats you justly, you say, it's forgiven. Jesus said, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. Matthew 5.39 says, if someone strikes you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. It's not saying that what was done was right. Think about this. Is it still owed? Is God a God of justice? Does that totally left me off the hook as a person? See, I'm still responsible before God. Forgiveness is dismissing, canceling, or setting someone free from the consequences of falling short of God's standard. And what is so phenomenal is, according to God, in terms of divine forgiveness, we read in Acts 10, 43, everyone who believes in him, that's Jesus, receives forgiveness of sins through his name. This is one of the characteristics that is so phenomenal about the Lord Jesus Christ. It is what he has made possible to us that we don't deserve. The penalty of our sin is spiritual death, which is separation from God. And since his standard is perfection, the truth is nobody meets that standard. Therefore, we all stand in the need to be forgiven, every one of us. What does it mean to forgive others? When we have something that is not supposed to be there for our progress in life, it doesn't matter what other people have done. Can we be free? That's the whole point. The offense actually doesn't have near the weight that it did before. That doesn't mean that it absolves all hurt. Let me tell you part of what forgiveness is. So often we are expecting something back, like, but he should say, I'm sorry. He should apologize. Let me tell you what you release. You release your right to hear, I'm sorry. You release your right to be bitter. You release your right to get even. By the way, it's not an issue even being even. Instead, it puts you down on that other person's level when you try to get even. That's why we're told in the Bible, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. When you forgive, you're releasing your right to keep dwelling on the offense. It can consume our minds. Proverbs 17, 9 says it so well. Of course, Proverbs is the book on wisdom. He who covers over an offense promotes love. But whoever repeats the matter separates close friends. I'll tell you what's so special about forgiveness. Forgiveness reflects the character of God. Isn't it interesting? When the disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray. He said, this is how I want you to pray. Heavenly Father, forgive us our debts as we also forgive others. Let's talk about what forgiveness is not because there are so many misconceptions. Forgiveness is not circumventing God's justice. It's trusting God to execute justice in his time and in his way. Forgiveness is not waiting for time to heal all wounds. Have you heard that? 
Time heals all wounds. Haven't you been around people where it's been a long time and those wounds seem to have just gotten deeper and deeper? Because some people choose not to allow healing. You see, if they allow healing, it's giving up their position of power over you. That's why they will not do it. Forgiveness is not explaining away the hurt, but it's working through the hurt. It's still a hurt. Forgiveness is not based on what is fair. It is not fair for Jesus to have had to hang on the cross for our sins. But he chose to do so as an act of his will. And that's what forgiveness is. It's an act of the will. It's not based on feelings. It's not based on circumstances. Forgiveness is not a natural response. One child hits another child. What does the other child tend to do? Hit back. That's natural. Forgiveness is supernatural. It is empowered by God. Forgiveness is not forgetting. It is necessary to remember in order to forgive. Because there are going to be times when you're going to have to forgive again and again and again and again. Especially as it comes up in your mind. As I said before, forgiveness is not a feeling. It is an act of the will. It is a choice. Forgiveness is not letting the guilty off the hook. It's moving the guilty from your hook to God's hook. Forgiveness is not the same as reconciliation. And that's really important. It's understand that it takes two people for reconciliation. Only one for forgiveness. Reconciliation is the effort to rejoin the offender. Forgiveness involves a change in thinking about the offender. Reconciliation involves a change in behavior by the offender. There's got to be some change if somebody has really wronged you for there to be true reconciliation of the heart. There's a very interesting passage in the small book called Amos, and the verse is Amos 3, 3. Do two walk together unless they have agreed to do so? Meaning, if you're really walking together with somebody, there is agreement. Well, the truth is, there are going to be people in your life where there is not ever going to be agreement. But don't feel that you haven't forgiven just because there's not reconciliation. You can forgive without reconciliation. And many times that's the only thing that you can do. Forgiveness is extended even if never, ever earned. Reconciliation is offered to the offender because it has been earned. Because this other person has done what is necessary to restore the trust. Forgiveness is unconditional regardless of a lack of repentance. Reconciliation is conditional based on repentance. The issue is, there's not reconciliation when it is not merited. So we need to be wise in what we do. But that doesn't mean we don't forgive. We stand in need of divine forgiveness. We have the privilege of being able to be forgiven by God. What is divine forgiveness? Divine forgiveness means that God has looked at us and in His mercy... He sees us as we are. He sees the times that we have chosen wrong because our hearts were not right with him. In this case, repentance is necessary. The Bible says the Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. 
as far as the east is from the west. So far has he removed our transgressions from us. And that's when we humble our hearts and receive that precious gift from God, salvation. Salvation that is not merited, not earned, not deserved. But that's the nature of divine forgiveness. The truth is, the Bible says, all we like sheep have gone astray. Each one of us has turned to his own way. But the Lord laid on him, Jesus Christ, the iniquity of us all. When Jesus hung on the cross, he was expressing divine forgiveness. That means if you want to be Christ-like, you will express divine forgiveness by being willing to be the instrument of grace and mercy. What are those two words? They're two sides of the coin. Grace is giving a gift that is not deserved. And when we've been given that gift, it is a gift that we don't deserve. Mercy means not getting what we do deserve. Because we deserve condemnation. We deserve separation. The Bible says our sins separate us from God. And yet, out of his mercy, he doesn't give us what we deserve. Out of his grace, he gives us what we don't deserve forgiveness. We have the slate cleaned. It's cleared. He blots out our transgressions. Phenomenal. And he doesn't hold it against you. So when you give the gift of forgiveness to someone, don't expect to do it when it's deserved because that's not forgiveness anymore. You give it because it's not deserved. You give it because Christ forgave you if you're a Christian. And you can indeed represent who Jesus is by the way you forgive others. Ephesians 4.32 says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. He was willing to forgive you. He stands ready to forgive anyone who's willing to come to him. That is divine forgiveness. Not based on the past, based on his nature. And if we become Christians, we need to have his nature and forgive just as Christ has forgiven us. When we don't have forgiveness in our hearts, it's going to impact us. Why should we get rid of unforgiveness? There are characteristics of an unforgiving heart. The person with an unforgiving heart is judgmental. Basically focusing on the past wrongs. Just judging that the offender committed this act. Condemnation is a natural part of this. Uh, just basically being intolerant of other people. Luke 6, 37 says, Do not judge. Do not condemn. Forgive and you will be forgiven. So we see that God wants us to have that heart that is not condemning. That's not judgmental. But the unforgiving heart will be judgmental, will not have mercy. By the way, there's a very interesting verse in the book of James. Judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Isn't that interesting? Mercy triumphs over judgment. James 2.13. So what you see is the person who does not extend mercy will continue to just rehearse the reasons why the offender doesn't deserve it. And then there's contempt. A person gets an attitude. But understand, the person, like with a critical spirit, they feel justified. 
But there's no mercy in that. They're resentful. They are vengeful. They actually rejoice when the offender experiences failure. I really, really just waited and waited for my dad to fail. I would rejoice when there was anything that went wrong. I was really glad because I thought, that's what he deserves. Regardless of the fact that he didn't admit it. The problem was, I didn't see that it was affecting me, but in truth, it did impact me. Because as long as I held on to unforgiveness, I had a bitter spirit. I was bitter. Proverbs 14.10 says, Each heart knows its own bitterness, and no one else can share its joy. No one was joyful with me in my bitterness, because toward my dad, I was negative. Yet what we see in the Bible is if you do not forgive men their sins, your father will not forgive your sins. So in truth, I was in a bad state. I was in a state where God wasn't looking at me with pleasure because I wasn't reflecting him at all. This is why it is vital to grasp what is God's heart. There is a high cost of unforgiveness I was thinking about the Olympics. I love the Olympics. I could sit there and watch 24 hours a day if I could stay awake the entire time. I would love to see the Olympics, whether it's summer games, winter games. Just imagine now, in recess, we were to run, run to this place and run back. Well, we've all needed to run certain places, and at times when we really need to run fast because of the situation, whatever it would be. But you know, can you just imagine, here you've got a contender ready to run the race. If it's Summer Olympics, it could be track and field, that's what we'd call it. Winter Olympics, uh, let's just make it the ice rink. Now, can you imagine, just before the race, somebody putting a bowling ball attached to a chain, and then there's this anklet, if you will, this uh, shackle, and so here, now, you've got somebody on the field, in the rink, trying to race. <laughs> it's impossible. That's what it's like to be burdened down with unforgiveness. It impedes our progress in life. It's going to hurt us having the momentum that we need. If you're in the qualifying heat, you can forget it. You will not qualify because you have excess baggage. Now, what if you were told, but here's the key to unlatch that shackle? Freedom. You put the key in, it's unlatched, off goes the big black ball. Instead of that big black lead heavy ball that you're shackled to, it's like all of a sudden, it becomes like a, a helium balloon. And it's phenomenal because one thing about helium is what? It floats away. Have you ever gone outside and taken a helium balloon and intentionally just released it? When you do it intentionally, it's really neat because you're wanting to see it rise and go far away. Unforgiveness causes us to walk in darkness. Forgiveness brings us into the light. Unforgiveness is of Satan. Forgiveness is of God. You have an enemy that does not want you to forgive others. Because it will hurt your walk with God. It will hurt you being a light to those who are in darkness. Why do I say that it is of Satan? The third chapter of James says, 
if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, and of the devil. Unforgiveness reflects a godless heart. Forgiveness reflects a godly heart. You're really reflecting God himself. Unforgiveness makes us captive to sin. Forgiveness sets us free. Acts 8.23 says, I see that you are full of bitterness and captive to sin. God does not want us to live our lives that way. Unforgiveness grieves the Spirit of God. Forgiveness is empowered by the Spirit of God. We're told in Ephesians 4, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. And you know what happens when we do that? We are set free. When we forgive... Forgiveness sets the prisoner free. And truthfully, I found out that that prisoner was me. And I'm the one who got set free when the Lord allowed me to see that I had a need to forgive. And I could live in the light of his forgiveness of me so that I could give that forgiveness to others. Forgiveness sets the prisoner free. And that prisoner was me. That's June Hunt, and this is Hope for the Heart. You know, I like that illustration June uses about taking someone off of your hook and putting them onto God's hook. This biblical principle of forgiveness is explained in our resources about forgiveness. Go to hopefortheheart.org to find the keys for living or one of several books on this topic. Now, here's June again with an important message. Hi, this is June again. Thank you for being with me for Hope for the Heart over the past 34 years. Soon we'll be launching a brand new podcast. The number of people who listen to podcasts is rapidly growing, so what a great time to share hope with even more people, helping them find God's truth for today's problems. Now you'll be able to hear us anytime, anywhere. To do this, we are transitioning away from this daytime program so, Friday, October 2nd, is our final broadcast. As we look forward to the podcast, you can get daily messages of hope on my Facebook page and our nighttime program, and I invite you to visit my new website, junehunt.org. That's junehunt.org. Remember, there are no hopeless situations, only those who have grown hopeless. June, thank you for sharing that news with us. And to our listeners, thank you for joining us on this radio program over these 34 years. Your prayers and support have meant so much. You can still listen to June on her late-night radio program, Hope in the Night. And beginning in October, you can join her on her new website. That's junehunt.org. As we continue to share God's hope in this world of technology, we're also expanding our video presence. Here's more. Taking them off my hook and placing them onto God's hook. I did just this, and my dried, hardened heart was softened. I cried to my Father for mercy and forgiveness. It was a cultivating experience, a renewing of my mind, and joy. I had not experienced joy for years. Our mission this year at Hope for the Heart is to help millions on the Internet, like Brenda, understand how to believe, trust, and apply God's truth to their life. To do this, we have an urgent need to convert more than 100 print teaching materials into videos. 
Every day, more than 13 billion videos are viewed. People are right now surfing the internet looking for answers. Start your monthly gift of $30 or more today to support this I Hope video project and receive a copy of June's Counseling Through Your Bible handbook. Make this eternal investment at hopefortheheart.org. Well, we know how big of a mission field the internet can be. Will you help us enter this area of ministry in a strong way? That website again is hopefortheheart.org. For June Hunt, I'm Joe Wolf. Remember that there is hope no matter the circumstances. Meet us back here tomorrow for more about this hope right here on Hope for the Heart.